GoneMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Telerik UI for Xamarin is a collection of more than 70 Xamarin forms and Xamarin wrappers. A theming mechanism with a built-in predefined theme, predefined Visual Studio item templates, MVVM support, and more. The toolset offers fast loading, excellent drawing capabilities, pixel perfection, and stunning UI, all while providing flexible customization. One C-sharp project, three native mobile apps. Release your inner .NET Ninja and create awesome cross-platform mobile apps with Telerik UI for Xamarin. For more information or to download a trial, visit Telerik.com slash Xamarin dash gone mobile. Welcome back for another episode of Gone Mobile. How's it going today, John? You know, it's starting to be that time of year over here. If you can remember what it used to be like living uh, on the East Coast, getting colder. Um, how, how are you finding your move out uh, on the West Side? It's it's good. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I actually just, you know, my birthday was this past weekend and it was like the one time every six months or so where it, it rains out in California. So that was that was a nice birthday gift from from California weather to me. <laughs> Uh, but but of course, it being California, when you looked at the weather forecast, it was like, oh, it's going to rain for the next 12 hours. But also there's still a, a big warning about, you know, fires could start at any given moment. <laughs> so even when it rains, we still have fire warnings here. But, you know, all things considered, things are things are pretty good out here. How's the, the new house coming along? It's it's coming along. We still have uh, bandwidth issues that we're, you know, I think after all of this is said and done, we're going to have to do an episode on on how the internet works here because it's it's kind of interesting how much work it's been to try and get a good connection. But, you know, other than that, it's all good. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it just, just from the, the bits and pieces I've heard from you, it sounds like we could probably make uh, some interesting content out of that. You know, hopefully once you're on the other side and, and uh, gloriously successful with, with yes, all of this. Exactly. <laughs> Cool. So, so this is a topic that that honestly we we should have covered a, a long time ago, um, and we've been trying to book this one, and you know, normal scheduling issues and all that get in the way. But but Flutter is, uh, you know, it's it really took the the sort of mobile world by storm. You know, I guess what like a year ago or so. Like how I, I've lost track at this point of of how long it's actually been around. Um, but but it's at the very least, it's safe to say that that we're long overdue for for some coverage on it on on God Mobile. Have you played with it at all? Uh, not me personally. I, I mean, I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't really gone past the making a hello world app and kind of doing the basics of it, but, um, you know, nothing too in depth from my side other than evaluating some of the things like how do they, how do they bind to other frameworks and stuff like that? Just kind of things that are, are relevant or interesting to me just because of what I do. How about yourself? Uh, I've played with it a bit. I haven't had enough Time, or as much time as, as I necessarily would like to, to really go deep with it. There's a lot that I really like about uh, about that general approach. But as, as luck would have it, we, we do have someone on the line here who has a whole lot more experience than than both of us. So so I'm excited to have uh, Thomas Burkhout. I'll do that again. God damn it. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to have Thomas Burkhardt on the show to to really dig into Flutter and and everything it's about. So welcome to the show, Thomas. Hi, Greg. Hi, Red. How's yeah. it going? Thanks, fine. Cool. Actually, you were talking about the weather. We had a really nice, warm uh, autumn day today and had uh, the, perhaps the last barbecue this night <laughs> for, this, for ah. this year. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, what you just mentioned, uh, you are right. Uh, I think Flutter really took off from last February when they announced the uh, the, the, the beta version of Flutter. 
And since then, it gets more and more momentum. So can you give us a bit of a, you know, an intro for those who don't really know any better? What exactly is Flutter? Okay. Yeah, actually, it's the uh, it's, it's a framework from Google that uh, promises to uh, deliver a cross-platform UI without any compromises. And uh, this is sound, this sounds like um, a big promise, um, but they took an interesting approach to uh, to reach this. Uh, compared to React Native or Xamarin Forms, they did not go the, the way that they um, use the native UI widgets and just map them to uh, to their framework and to another language. No, Flutter goes a different way. What they do is they draw the whole UI their, uh, on their own, just using, using the GPU and bypassing the operating system for this completely. And uh, this has the advantage that uh, the app looks exactly the same on all devices, on all, over all operating systems, and it's extremely fast. Um, yeah, that's uh, the, the biggest difference to, to the other cross-platform uh, frameworks. Yeah, and it's definitely an interesting approach, and that whole like pixel-perfect promise thing is, is interesting. Um, you know, before we get into even how well that, that kind of plays out in your opinion, uh, you mentioned that, you know, it, the idea is that it's a consistent experience and consistent UI across all the different platforms and devices. Um, what, what platforms do they actually support at this point? Currently, Android and iOS is supported. And there are community ports for Linux and Mac and also some first steps to have it run on Windows. How far are some of those community ports coming along? Have you played with them at all? Uh, I haven't played with them, um, but they it's not so much work to do, actually, um, because the uh, the base engine of Flutter, uh, which is Kia, uh, isn't cross-platform graphics engine. So uh, the, the most or the thing that has to be done right is to uh, uh, to map the user input that you have on a PC onto the Flutter, Flutter framework. And um, currently, Google does not support it officially. It's not on their priority list. But uh, I see that uh, we will have, I would say, in the next half year, uh, some solutions that uh, you can use Flutter on a desktop. So, you know, before we dig into all those details uh, a little bit farther, I'm curious, like, what got you interested in Flutter originally? Um, you know, <laughs> where did you start? Yeah, I, uh, actually, it was uh, I was frustrated. <laughs> um, I had a longer uh, break uh, due to some health issues, and I wanted to get back to one of my Xamarin apps. I was a Xamarin Forms developer before, and... Uh, I opened the solution and thought, okay, just update all the NuGets and uh, update to the latest uh, Xamarin version and nothing built anymore after this. And uh, I think I, I really spent three or four hours trying to get the solution to build again and it still had some errors. And this was the point where I was, got, was really frustrated. And uh, just by coincidence, it was the same day that uh, Google announced the beta of Flutter. I haven't heard about before yet, yeah? And uh, yeah, I, I thought, okay, 
next day, give it a try. I downloaded uh, or I cloned Flutter. Actually, the easiest way, just clone the repo. I cloned uh, uh, the uh, the Flutter repo, ran the Flutter Doctor script, and within a yeah, quarter of an hour, I had my first app running. And this was somewhat really impressing to me. And uh, it just worked. And uh, because uh, this was the point I said, okay, I want to spend more time on this and dig a little bit deeper in it. Cool. And, and I'd love to, to kind of dig in there a little bit, especially given that, that a lot of our audience and, um, you know, our experience on this side of the call between myself and John as, as well are, are very uh, pretty weighted towards the Xamarin side of things, right? Like we've, <laughs> we've all been in this community for uh, quite a few years at this point, have, have been doing this for a while. Um, so I'd be curious to hear any comparison points that you have just in style of, uh, you know, Xamarin versus Flutter, um, you know, both the, the good and the bad. Like, what was it like going from, you know, your Xamarin experience to the, the Flutter world? Honestly, it was very easy. Um, that's uh, one thing what that really impressed me, impressed me from the beginning was how stable the tooling were. And uh, how fast the uh, it is to work with it, and um, the one one big oh, you could imagine it's a big challenge uh, to write a Flutter app. You have to use another uh, programming language. You have to use Dart, and uh, but it turns out if you are coming from C sharp, you almost can write Dart. Uh, the difference and not so big. Uh, I just follow the tutorials and uh, and started to work uh, and start, started to modify them and it was just naturally uh, to work with that and um, so this was a very easy uh, there is one big difference uh, if you are coming from Xamarin forms like I did that um, you you code your UI in Flutter in code not in uh, an, a markup language like XAML uh, this uh, means also that uh, it's a different way you update data. Uh, in Xamarin Forms, typically you use an MVVM approach. So have, you have a view model and you define bindings to your widgets into a, on your screen. And uh, Flutter works differently. Flutter uh, uses an, it's called re reactive approach. Um, this means that uh, the moment that your data in your model uh, changes, you just rebuild the screen. And during the rebuild, the, uh, the widgets draw their data from the model. So this is a little bit, uh, you have to think a little bit differently uh, uh, than with Xamarin. So I'm curious if you had to pick, you know, like one thing that you miss um, moving to Flutter from Xamarin, and then maybe the, the other way too, what's, you know, what's the biggest thing that you miss, um, you know, uh, the other way around, like what what would th that pick be for you for each platform? Okay, um, yeah. Uh, one real one thing that is just really a, a drawback on the Flutter side is that if you want to access uh, native APIs, you need to write a plugin, and part of the plugin has to be written in Java or in Objective C. So uh, I'm really missing that I'm can work the, over the whole project just with one language yeah um, so I th and also the the enormous amount of um, components on the NuGet uh, repository um, this is 
it's really powerful. And uh, what I, yeah, one thing that I always missed with the uh, with Xamarin is uh, the turnaround times uh, when you make a change, because um, for those who haven't seen it yet, uh, if you are working with Flutter and you have the app downloaded and running on your device, uh, when you make a change in your in your source code, this can be either UI or normal code and you save the file it will automatically within seconds update it on the device and keep the app state and uh, this is such an enormous uh, productivity improvement uh, what i always wish to have with xamarin so the the sort of state management style that you mentioned there it, it sounds a lot like what you see really commonly on the on the web in different frameworks these days like I know like react kind of popularized a lot of that whole data down actions up sort of model um, and you've seen that sort of manifest over on the ember side and in other frameworks as well like if if someone is coming from a, a modern web background with experience with frameworks like react like is um, is that the right sort of parallel to draw like are they gonna feel pretty familiar with this sort of rendering model? Yeah, they will. Um, actually, it said that uh, Google says that they uh, they got influenced by React Native in certain areas. Though um, so it's, Flutter is different. That's actually a misunderstanding for quite some people. They read the statement, uh, yeah, influenced by React, and then they expect that it's the same, but it's not. Um, uh, but the uh, the, uh, the state management model uh, that you said, yes, uh, I would compare it with this. Um, beside the uh, completely the trigger, just triggering and rebuild, what's very nice is um, Dart supports streams um, as a language feature uh, for people from the uh, .NET side. Uh, a Dart stream is best compared with an observable from uh, reactive extensions and so uh, there are special widgets uh, called stream builders that can directly connect to a stream and they get updated each time a new value is pushed through the stream uh, so this is I think a little bit different to the uh, to the web uh, and react world um, but the, the general idea is that uh, you just rebuild either the whole screen or the, uh, the widget in question as um, every time the data changes. And then is it, it I assume it's the, the sort of Flutter rendering engine itself on top of Skia that, that's doing that diff the same way that React has its whole uh, you know, shadow DOM to figure out or the virtual DOM to figure out exactly what what needs to be re-rendered instead of re-rendering the whole thing? Yes. Um, actually, you have the... Uh, uh, you, you you have se several layers. The uh, the widget layer that's the uh, the one. Uh, it's only um, a very very thin interface layer of lightweight objects. This gets really rebuilt, and in the background it's checked. Okay, uh, do I have to rebuild? Do I have to redraw for this uh, widget that I rebuilt? And because Dart has a very fast garbage collector, it doesn't matter at all that uh, we. Re, uh, throw away a lot of uh, of small objects on every rebuild, and uh, yeah, that works. It works well. And then, sort of a little bit more on the the state management side. Uh, again, just sort of, especially drawing from uh, a lot of the the web work that I've done um, with React and and similar frameworks. Yeah, um, I'm curious how it 
compares like stepping back like for example if you're if most people building any sort of you know modern app a large app on top of react you're doing you're bringing in a lot more than just react itself which is just literally the rendering engine right so usually you bring in some sort of pattern like flux or redux to do that whole middleware layer um i'm curious if if people generally follow similar patterns on the flutter side or if flutter introduces its own kind of formal state management layer like what does that end up kind of looking like if you're building a a large-ish flutter app okay uh yeah actually this is an area that is where still a lot of um development at the beginning uh, most people uh, were pushed to use redux because of this the uh the statement uh, it is influenced by react native um i personally i don't like redux at all so um i start and having used uh, um reactive ui before with uh, xamarin forms i started to come up with my own uh, architectural pattern i call it rx vms uh which uh is based heavily on using streams and uh, reactive command. There is for, uh, from uh, from uh, Google. It's an um, uh, it's a pattern. It's called Block, which, which is also heavily stream based. But uh, yeah, there there is a lot of uh, development here. Also, uh, we still I think we all still need to um, collect experience uh, with building really big apps with different approaches with Flutter. Because the, the way Flutter updates its UI, it's really different uh, to um, to f- earlier frameworks. So the um, the well-known patterns like um, MVVM, um, MVC, they don't, don't match really the, uh, the way Flutter updates. So there's no like, you know, concept that we had thinking of like data binding per se. No, the point is because um, you, there is no data binding at all. Because uh, when the uh, when the widget is is drawn, it just takes the value from the model and draws itself. And as this uh, whole part is done in code and no, there's no markup uh, uh, involved, we have no layer between. Mm-hmm. Which also makes it very comfortable that you don't need any value converter or something like this. You just can uh, directly uh, call, uh, yeah, you assign a value and call any function that you need to convert your value. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about Dart itself too. Um, you mentioned that it was pretty easy to transition from C sharp to Dart. You know, could you talk a little bit more about the language itself and and what it looks like, especially from the perspective of uh, you know being a .NET developer initially. If you look at Dart code and you don't know that it is Dart, you in the first moment you would say would think it could be C sharp or Java. It's really very very similar. Um, it does not have uh, as much features as C sharp. For example, uh, pattern matching and uh, all the tuple um, uh, decomposition that we got uh, lately is not there. Um, you have uh, you don't have interfaces for this. You you use abstract classes. It's um, you don't have, uh, for example, you don't have um, access modifiers like public or private. Um, if you prefix a uh, field name or a, a method name with an underscore, it's automatically private. 
It's very, it's it's really very very similar. Uh, some things um, are, are very nice. Uh, if that you, if, for example, if you have an, um, a field that you want to you want to initialize um, with constructor parameters, you just write uh, after the constructor uh, this dot your field name as as parameter, and it will automatically assign. For example, and um, but it's uh, from from my feeling it's 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 yeah it's just it's, it's just the same way if you if you are comfortable with any C style language uh, you can almost directly start with that yeah and I think I think that's where you know a lot of people I know I find myself um, any language that's kind of C style is a lot more uh, easy for me to kind of jump into and jump back and forth so that's interesting to hear I, I'm also curious to like you you mentioned a little bit about like the ecosystem of of packages like is there a you know a package man- management story around Dart, and you know is there is there a good ecosystem of stuff available these days already? Yeah, um, uh, Dart is actually perhaps uh, it's important to know there that Dart is older than Flutter. Um, Dart was originally aimed to replace JavaScript in the browser, and uh, so the idea was that uh, that Dart should run directly inside the browser engines. But unfortunately, uh, Chrome was the only browser that supported it. And at the same time, JavaScript got more and more popular. So uh, this uh, was not possible. But uh, what you still can do, you can transpile any Dart Dart program into JavaScript. So uh, if you want to write your web app in um, uh, in a strongly typed language, you can use Dart like you could use TypeScript. And uh, for that, uh, there is a, a package manager available for quite some time. It's called Pub. And um, you yeah, you can easily create packages, push them up there, and, uh, and use them in your projects. Interestingly, they are always distributed in, in, in source code, so um, which has quite some uh, advantages that you can really everywhere just uh, hit F12 and jump into the definition into 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 your um, component source codes or even into the Flutter source code and look what they are doing there. Yeah, it seems pretty similar to the the JavaScript world in that sense, which makes sense given, given where Dart sort of came out of from their side. Um, you mentioned that a lot of similarities to to C based languages. So if you're coming from you know C plus plus or or C sharp or anything like that, and um, you know having inheritance and all of that, yeah. uh, but you had also mentioned uh, you know things like observables and streams and and things that are you find more commonly on the the more functional side of programming languages. So I'm curious what what you see the sort of split as. Like is it is it mostly uh, an OO sort of language that has functional features, sort of like C sharp, or like what does that look like? It's definitely an OO language, and uh, the um, functional features, are, yeah, mainly streams, which is awesome to have them directly in in the language. And uh, but uh, it's really to work um, to work functional at the moment is uh, not that easy, I was told. Actually, so far, I'm yeah, sort of a legacy system here in my age. Uh, I have not really made the, uh, the step into the functional world, so I feel very comfortable with it. 
So what are you using to work with Dart code and, and just kind of Flutter projects in general? Like what kind of text editor or IDE, um, you know, what's supported in that world? Um, the most popular, I think, is uh, IntelliJ or uh, Android Studio. There are plugins for it. Or uh, also very popular and the one that I prefer is Visual Studio Code with the Dart code plugin. And uh, this works really, really nice. So then, if you're working with um, you know Visual Studio Code, then like what is the what is the deploy and debug experience and all of that kind of look like if you're not within a full blown you know IntelliJ or Android Studio sort of situation? Um, it is it is pretty good. The thing is that uh, Dart comes with a uh, powerful uh, static analyzer, and this is used by the plugin to uh, offer IntelliJ. Uh, to sort of IntelliSense and uh, syntax highlighting. It uh, it is though limited. So if you are used to a resharper, uh, you miss a lot of things. Yeah. Um, on the other side, uh, Visual Studio Code. What I really like about it, how fast it is. If you just open it, if you switch from one uh, project to the other, and if you have the um, the uh, plugin installed. You can directly launch from Visual Studio your emulator. You hit a five, and uh, within I would say, currently on my uh, PC, one minute to one and a half minute, you have the uh, the app uh, up and running the, uh, on the first start. And from there, every time you change something in the file and you press save, or like I have an autosave if I change the context immediately the app gets updated and you'll see the result on the uh, on the emulator. Awesome. So that sounds like a, a good jumping off point to, to really dig into the, the UI development side of things, where you mentioned that you're, you're defining all these things on, in code. So one would assume that there isn't any sort of... Uh, any sort of like designer or anything like that. I'm assuming it's this hot reload path where you just kind of quickly iterate and, and tune everything that you need. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, perhaps one, one, one more thing I want to, want to add. Uh, one difference for people that are uh, coming from Xamarin, that uh, if you want to uh, de develop for iOS, you really have to be on the Mac. So you don't have the you're not able to do remote debugging like we are used mm -hmm. to be to uh, with Xamarin. This is perhaps uh, important. Yeah, the um, the UI development it is really the uh, this fast um, the, uh, this fast updating and you see what happens and the the way you create a flush, uh, a, a Flutter uh, UI is that uh, you do it by composing. So um, deriving from an existing uh, widget, it's not very uh, common. Most of the times you just compose different widgets together and you nest them as deep as you want. And uh, even if you have a very complex uh, build tree, it's, it's very it's fast. And there is, uh, comes the plugin also very handy that if you have an... Um, a deep uh, widget tree, you can on uh, on every node, you can say, oh, please extract a method here or extract it as a custom widget and place it in uh, uh, into another file so that you that it, it stays readable. 
Okay. And, and it's definitely, it gets tricky to talk about these sort of things on, you know, on a spoken podcast yeah. like this, but, but, but to the extent that you can kind of like paint a little bit of a picture, like if you were defining a, a basic UI, let's say, you know, it could even just be a, a list with some list items yeah. or, you know, yeah. a search form or something like, how does that, what does that sort of play out and, and okay. look like in code? Like how much boilerplate do you end up having to write if all of this is done in code? Uh, actually, there is no boilerplate, I would say. <laughs> no really uh it's it's very straightforward for example for this uh if i just imagine i have a typical uh android app with list view in it i would have an uh i would create a, a scaffold object a scaffold object has um uh has in its constructor you have parameters for an app bar for a body and for uh, uh, for a bottom bar and for uh, and for example for a uh, floating action button where you can directly assign widgets and in this case i would assign to the bottom uh, to the body i uh, would assign uh, yeah let's let's do a list view with a header above then i would assign a column and inside the column uh, a text and uh, behind this i would uh, Put an expanded. This is the, uh, and in the expanded, I have a list view. The expanded makes sure that this piece uh, takes the most, uh, the, uh, takes uh, all the rest of the uh, of the screen. And uh, a list view is uh, list view is available in different. Uh, you can create it in different ways, either directly passing a collection of items, and uh, then you have an. Uh, you pass also an item builder, which is a function which ret which, ret which returns a widget for each item. So it's it's very straightforward if you have uh, once uh, got a knack of it. And and what's working with like resources in your projects, like like images and stuff like that? You know, given that you're you're targeting iOS and Android and potentially other platforms, is there kind of a unified way to deal with those, or does yes. that have to be done? Okay. Yes. So what does uh, that look it, like? Uh, in the um, in in a Flutter project, you have uh, typically a folder assets, and below assets, you place all your widgets. Um, actually, it can be uh, uh, PNGs or SVGs. Now we have an SVG widget, uh, a very good one. And the only thing is, you have to uh, register the. Um, you you have you have to, uh, to to register the assets in the uh, main project file in the pubspec.yaml, um, and after this you can just uh, use it with an, for example uh, if it's an uh, image dot asset and you uh, you just pass the uh, the path inside the asset folder and it gets displayed, and this is done, uh, this works on both uh, on on both platforms. And what options are there for if you want to do anything platform specific, or are there options if you want to do anything platform specific in terms of you know different UIs or oh, yeah. different functionality and yeah. that kind of thing? Um, I I can query it uh, everywhere while while doing uh, when when you when you try try to imagine you have you have for example you have such a widget tree, eh? which uh, is always you have a widget and this has. Uh, um, uh, it has a, a child parameter where you add the, uh, the next nested widget. Um, what's a very typical pattern is that you use a ternary operator at this place. That is, for example, I have, uh, if platform is Android, question mark, 
widget one colon and then widget two that it automatically selects which widget it should use depending on the platform. Okay, that seems like something where you would definitely, you know, if they add platform three and four, something like pattern matching would make that a whole lot cleaner. And when it's when you can't just have a ternary when it's you know either one or the other. That's uh, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Or you have to do it before, uh, uh, not inside the uh, the widget tree, but before you uh, compose it, that you uh, that you decide before which one you uh, you use, and you use a switch statement for this. But you can query the, uh, the, uh, the the active platform, and then based on this, you can decide which widget you use. Um, there are widgets uh, that uh, look exactly like the widgets on a Material app, and there are widgets that look exactly like an iOS app, for example. So yeah, so to, to sort of like flip the the previous question around, I'd be curious to hear. You know, given that initial promise that we kind of started the, or the theoretical promise rather, that that we started this conversation with, of you know, it's the same UI and experience on all these different platforms. Um, I'd be curious in your experience, does that actually play out? Like, if you're on a whole bunch of Android devices and a whole bunch of iOS devices and OS versions yeah. and sizes, yeah. does does that promise really yeah. um, hold true? Yes, it looks exactly the same. And uh, there is one interesting thing uh, uh, about it. Uh, because the the whole Flutter engine gets linked to your app, you are independent from any version of your uh, operating system. So especially for Android, you have no longer to think about uh, app compat libraries, uh, because it will work from I think from 4.2 till the latest one, and the, the app will look the same. So, you know, one of the things that I, I think was a big skepticism of like Cordova and and, and web-based um, apps in general was, you know, talking about this um, one sort of pixel perfect or close to it version of the app and all the platforms, it kind of always felt weird. And you, you always knew as a, as a user, maybe as a power user, when you were using like a web uh, hybrid app on your device, you know, given that we're doing the same thing across platforms here, I have to imagine with like animations and transitions between screens and stuff like that you know does does a flutter app really kind of feel different or not not quite normal in uh, from a user sense on some of the platforms no i can't no no uh, uh, i haven't uh, seen this uh, for example they spent quite some time to uh, to match the exact behavior of the of a scroll view uh, on iOS, this, uh, that it really does, the, the velocity and uh, that this, this really feels like the original one. Uh, perhaps one thing is important if you, because you mentioned Cordoba and uh, things like this. Uh, unlike this systems, uh, Flutter gets compiled to native code. This is really important to know that it's uh, it's not just not like a hybrid app or a uh, um, progressive web app in this way. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the the main differences, at least in terms of how snappy the the end performance would be or how kind of crisp it is. Yeah. Um, I think you know on the the sort of hybrid front, the, the some of the biggest giveaways to me are I think the first one that I usually notice is I mean aside from just if it looks kind of off or webby, um, gestures are are one of the big yeah. things, right? Like is your if you're in a navigation view, especially like I'm 
I spend more time on iOS than than Android generally, um, but I use gestures for for everything, especially being on an iPhone 10 where it's all about gestures and there's no buttons left. <laughs> um, so like if, you know, do, does Flutter kind of introduce a lot of those same kind of gesture patterns so it feels um, like a, a normal iOS navigation panel and that kind of thing? Um it's not that it's, um, that the the widgets uh, the current widgets support them natively as far as I know from the iOS side. I am working more on the Android side, uh, but you have access to all the uh, gestures of the user, so you can actually handle them as you want. That kind of sounds interesting. One of the things, like Greg saying, you know, using gestures on iOS, I always, um, whenever I switch to Android, I try and swipe kind of left to right to go back on screens, and it never works. Does that mean that you can kind of introduce some of that behavior you um, to Android? Okay. Yeah, uh, completely, because it's you have the full control about what your app is doing. But that's not, you know, that stuff isn't out of the box, and is, is what you're saying. Like on iOS, you don't get that sort of back gesture between uh, pages, let's let's call them. I guess I'm not sure what the the honestly, term is for I, it. Honestly, I have not tried this yet because I'm as an Android user, I'm not, I'm actually not that used to the gestures on an iOS device. When I, I have I have my iPhone only for testing, yeah, but I'm I'm not so not so much used to the uh, to uh, to all the to, to the gesture language. Um, but I guess the at least the uh, moving back to the earlier page, this should be supported. Okay, so it's it's not you know it's obviously not native controls on each platform, but it sounds like maybe some of the uh, you know native uh, parts of how an app works are maybe translated properly. Yes. Okay. Yes. For example, for example, also on Android, if you have a scaffold and you push a page, you automatically get a back button and it will pop the page. For example, yeah. Um, so these things are available. Right. So you, you talked a bit about performance earlier on, I think, in, in the episode already when you said it, it's, you know, generally really good. Have you had much experience? And, and I'm thinking especially in cases like really low end old Android devices, um, you know, what, what's the performance like on, on some of these older devices and older operating systems? Um, honestly, I haven't tried it on a device. I, ha- I have here, for example, um, uh Huawei um, uh, P10 Lite, which is not the most powerful one, and it's really good. But I have not tried it with the uh, with the low-end devices. But uh, thinking of that, in my opinion, one reason for Google to to put so much uh, uh, power in uh, behind uh, Flutter is that they want to address low-end devices, uh, especially for uh, developing countries. And so that's the main reason why they push uh, Flutter as an app platform uh, compared to, um, to, to to some hybrid um, uh, approach. And I'd be curious, like, uh, have you do? You, is there any noticeable, um, you know, hit in startup time or anything like that? Or no, is no. it? Have you found that it's even like potentially better than than other Android apps that have to do a whole lot more work? Like, what does that look like? Um, it's. It's like a native Android, uh, and like like a real native Android app. It's uh, I think it's faster. I think we uh, are definitely faster than a Xamarin Forms app, and even faster, a bit faster than an, an Xamarin uh, native app. Right, and, and is there a, a minimum supported version of of Android and iOS that that Flutter allows you to to go down to at this point? On Android, I think it's four point two. I'm not one hundred percent sure. 
And on iOS, I think iOS nine, if I uh, if I recall it correctly. So that's a that's a pretty oh, well. good range then. Yeah, but especially yeah. the the thing is because because you uh, you ha you have the your whole framework with the app always. Uh, there's uh, no uh, no big deal about it. It might be uh, it could be a problem depending on which native. Um, APIs you uh, you rely if they are not ex uh, available okay then you are screwed no problem then it's no chance so you know, one of the things we kind of glossed over earlier on in the episode and something that's very near and dear to my heart is um, you know working with other I guess native libraries like let's say you've got an Objective C library on iOS that you want to use that isn't generally used by anyone else in Dart. Uh, or you know a Java library and Android. Can you talk a little bit more in depth about how how you work ooh, with those things? Ooh, now you now you touch one of the hurting areas. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. No, def definitely. Uh, this is one of the um, one of the things that uh, we are currently also discussing with the uh, with people from Flutter. If we how we can improve uh, uh, things there, because currently it's not possible uh, to link directly uh, into a native uh, library with some um, uh, with some mapping library or with some binding library uh, or uh, you also you, you cannot directly link into a C++ library for example and uh, so if you, if you have to or if you want to uh, address any native library or any API from the operating system, you have to write a plugin. What a plugin is, a plugin uh, consists of, of two parts, a Dart part and a native part. And uh, all communications between the, uh, this two happens about platform channels, which are basically messages that, that, that are sent asynchronously from the Dart side to the native side. And uh, this means, if I, for example, if I have a uh, localization plugin that uh, will, uh, for, to address the GPS uh, sensor, you will have uh, in the plugin you have a, a Dart part, and you have an Objective C or Swift part, and you will have a Java or Kotlin part to uh, to create this plugin. So it sounds kind of like then, you know, if you want to expose like maybe a, a really limited subset of a, an API from one of those libraries, that's not too bad. But once you start, um, you know, getting into a place where there's lots of, of different APIs and methods and things to call that, that might become a little bit more difficult to scale. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's not a question of scale, but it's just uh, really to, to write something manually, it's, uh, it's, it's just cumbersome. And uh, to do this with uh, with some really huge library, like there are some uh, some graphics or image processing libraries out there, um, then this it gets really difficult. Uh, but I'm pretty sure we will see a development there because uh, the problem is seen by Google too. And one of the other things that, that I was just thinking about is I'm curious, and I don't know if you you've dealt with this stuff your, yourself at all in your applications, but um, the the accessibility side of things, where I, if you're using real native controls, then you get a lot of stuff out of the box for free in terms of accessibility labels and screen readers and all yeah. of that. But when you're just rendering things directly to to a canvas, I, I imagine that a lot of that goes away. 
Um, has has Google added anything to Flutter to to help fill some of those gaps? Yep. They actually they uh, they recreated all this uh, accessibility features, and uh, so this is uh, this makes actually if you really think how much they had to recreate, it's amazing. Uh, uh, they they really did an amazing job there. So what does that look like from a, a developer's perspective to to integrate with? Like, do, do things, does it kind of like nudge you into things just working pretty well out of the box or do you have to opt in to, to adding, a, doing a lot of work to add accessibility into your app? Um, to be really honest, I haven't cared about accessibility in, in the current apps I'm working on. <laughs> um, the uh, I know that the, uh, the typical, um, uh, that widgets like buttons uh, supported out of the box. Uh, but I have not. Uh, I I really haven't given it a try how it will look and feel if you uh, or how it feels um, if I uh, turn it on uh, when when the when the app is running. Yeah, that's fair. And and I I figured Google must have some sort of affordance for it. Being a company like Google, you can't just they can't afford to just ignore no. uh, things like accessibility. Um, and, and the other sort of side of of my thinking there was. Um, you know, from a testing perspective, you know, like I'm curious to hear what the the story is like in terms of you know whether whether you end up writing a lot of like unit tests and things like that for your app, but also if you were going to be writing any sort of automated UI tests mm-hmm. against against your mm-hmm. application, often you're you're leveraging some of those accessibility features to be able to target things within the UI. Right. Right. Um, yeah. UI tests, okay, is, uh, are available uh, as for any other language. Uh, unit tests. I mean, unit tests are available for uh, like any other language. Uh, UI tests uh, really need how they how they how they solve it, because uh, you can completely simulate the behavior uh, of of a widget tree. So uh, you you get you have a tester class where you pass in any widget. This could can be a whole page. It can be a single widget, and uh, then you can. Um, uh, you, you can simulate uh, the uh, the drawing cycles, and afterwards ex, uh, query it to say, okay, expect that there is one widget with this ID, for example. Or you can uh, you can simulate a tap on a widget and see what happens afterward. So uh, this is very straightforward, actually. Um, I never uh, I never really really got the uh, got uh, the the way the UI tests were done with Xamarin Forms, this was all too complex for me. And uh, the way that is Flutter solves this, um, I really like it. So, you know, what's the best way that someone can get started today with Flutter? The, the very best way, really, and this is still the same, uh, is uh, just go through the getting started in the, uh, in the Flutter, uh, uh, Flutter IO website. Uh, there is uh, a chapter, my, uh, my first app, and this is actually already an app that does uh, uh, that introduces you to a lot of concepts. Go through this. Then there is another uh, chapter um, on the on the website. Uh, I think it's called Layout uh, Tutorial. And if you have made this too, you have a, re- a, re- a quite good foundation to get started. 
Awesome. So, I mean, before we wrap up here, uh, is there anything that, that we missed in terms of, you know, what, what listeners of this episode should, should really know about Flutter? Any, anything really important, either either good or bad? Or uh, should they just go check out the tools and, and play around with it? I think one, one thing uh, that is really interesting is um, to be uh, aware of is really how much momentum Flutter currently gets. Uh, so um, I can only recommend every mobile developer to have a look at it and uh, to get an, uh, an impression also for what sort of apps it can be used. Uh, lately, there was an, um, a video from Alibaba, the uh, big uh, e-commerce platform fr uh, from Asia, and uh, they realized their new app in Flutter with daily 50 million users. And this works without problems. So I can really only say, hey, take a, take a day, a weekend, and give it a try and uh, see how you like it. Yeah, I agree. And the, like, there's, a, there's a lot that's intriguing to me about the approach in general. And, um, and, I, and I think I mentioned this on a, a previous show that we did on some of the newer Xamarin Form stuff, especially around the, the native shell features that they're coming out with, where I... Once I started really digging into to Flutter and, and what it was and that sort of approach of being able to just write out a UI to, uh, to a canvas, I mean, it seems like a, a no-brainer to me to, to add, you know, at some point for Xamarin Forms to have, say, like a Skia backend, where if you want that, if you want to use the Xamarin Forms layout engine, um, you know, for laying all your stuff out and just dump that to, to a Skia thing so that you have pixel-perfect UIs and all of that. That just seems like a, a no-brainer kind of approach to me at some point, whether it be them writing their own ski layer or writing a even just a Flutter binding, like a Flutter backend that uses Flutter as the the conduit to that. Um, I it just seems like there's there's a lot of real potential there across the board. Actually, actually there there are currently two interesting projects. I don't know if you've heard about it. One is from Adam Petley from Australia, and uh, he is working on a transpiler to transpile the, uh, the Flutter framework to C-sharp and just bind the Skia framework in. So you would, it would be able to use Flutter in C-sharp on, uh, on top of Xamarin Native. And the other one is uh, from Jamie Morton from Create Britain, also a well-known Xamarin uh, developer. And uh, what he is doing is he uses the uh, the feature that you can uh, embed uh, Flutter views or Flutter apps as native view into an Android or into an iOS app. And uh, he does this uh, on, uh, in an Xamarin native app to use uh, Flutter inside or on top on the, uh, on, of an Xamarin app so that he can still use the NuGet libraries and have Flutter for the UI. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see the community picking up and, and trying to integrate all these things. And uh, I, there's going to be no shortage of, of interesting stuff to come of it, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas, I, I, and I'm sorry it, it took so long to, to actually get this on the calendar and to get us all together. But thanks so much for, for coming on the show. This was a lot of awesome information. Oh, I really enjoyed it. And it was the first time on a podcast at all. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And thanks as always to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.